ओम ज्ञान Topic I wanted to start off with speaking today is some different things I want to speak about. Uh, now, mostly you're all living in the Brahmacharya Ashram, is it? And at these spaces, it's on Brahmacharya Ashram uh, gives some shelter from the material world. Brahmachari ashram also means Brahmachari guru kule vasandanta guru ritanta dasavana ashram nicho guru sudhura sokhada that one lives in the Brahmachari ashram one is supposed to be under the care and direction and the discipline of the guru and act as a menial servant with an attitude of um, friendship with the Guru. So it's, it's, a, it's an atmosphere in which one is learning. It's a protected atmosphere. means that there's no other outside influence. One is directly learning under the Guru. Um, in ISKCON it's different to traditional situations of living in an ashram because in, in the sense that we have different disciples of different gurus and mostly the, the guru doesn't live in any particular center. So we're all one under Prabhupada and under the Parampara <coughs> and we all follow basically the same supposed to be following basically the same philosophy and practices of Krishna consciousness. But it is an observable fact, to borrow some terms from empiric science, it is an observable fact that even uh, different gurus in Iskand have, or different preachers have different, maybe some slightly differing outlook or emphasis on different things. And this tends to affect the disciples separately which makes it all the more important to focus on what are, what are actually Prabhupada's desires and instruction. How is he trained us? That should be the... Uh, that should be the standard. Ultimately, I Within Prabhupada's instructions, there, there are parameters, there's leeway for instructing in somewhat different way. Not a, not different philosophy, but maybe slightly different emphasis. Basically, uh, in religious teaching, there are two basic approaches which usually interact with each other. 
they are they may be called the affective and the philosophical. Affective means that which affects us. Emotion and philosophical. So fully affective would be only appealing to the emotions. Very little philosophy and mostly appealing to the emotions. This we mostly this kind of bhakti preaching we find among popular proponents of bhakti. I'm talking about not in this one. Here's one thing I personally learned from Prabhupada that don't put your hand in your mouth. So please go and wash it. I told the story so many times that I didn't tell it again now. Don't put your hand on anyone else. Did you you're just contaminating your muscles. Of course you're a pure devotee, but from the point of view of purity that's considered impure. So the uh, the popular preachers of bhakti, they mostly rely on emotions. That they'll tell stories and they have a very big pro they have a very big profile as being a great swami and often a big beard to go with it. And uh, they tell a lot of jokes and stories and in this way they attract people's attention, tell people things that are very useful for them in their material life. They tend to mix that up also. And this is this is a good Ayurvedic cure for how to cope with the modern uh, corporate life and, and like this. Especially those who are in the Bhakti line, they tell many stories of Bhakti. Stories from Krishna Lila or Ram Lila, and in this way they become popular and attract many followers. And you'll find in their pandals maybe lakhs of people come. But it's a purely emotional approach. It doesn't attempt to instruct people very much about the uh, what is the actual philosophy of the absolute truth. It doesn't really attempt to instruct people in much at all. They might ask people to be vegetarians or something, maybe. But we'll find that people who go to these popular meetings, in their practical life there won't be any change before or after. They may go for Bhagavad Sapta. But in their daily life they'll come back and they'll go on with their daily puja at home. And like that, in the morning they'll do puja and maybe have the TV on at the same time. In the evening they'll be doing their TV puja. They'll be watching the TV. So it's like a mixture of bhakti and material life, which means it's not really bhakti at all. People can't progress unless they understand that Krishna is the enjoyer, I'm to be enjoyed. Material life is miserable. Sadhus, so-called sadhus who present, who live very nicely in this material world, or even if they present stories of Krishna or Rama, but they present it to us as a kind of entertainment without presenting to us how this material world is miserable. We have to come out of this. And then, uh, without any philosophical background, it's, it simply appeals to the emotions. And many people, they may, in the meeting, they may chant Sri Ram Jai Ram Jai Jai Ram or whatever. But uh, it, they might even go and die at Ayodhya in some 5% Muslims. 
over the Ramjana Bhumi. But there, the scientific process of Krishna consciousness has not been revealed to them. They cannot actually become free from material tenders. They, they may die in the name of Lord Ram, but it's some mixed up nationalistic idea on the idea that we are Hindus, which is a mistake in the first place, to think that I am his body or anything. Uh, social, some, because of some social connection, I am a Hindu and I'm, I'm ready to die for that. I'm ready to die for my country. These are all mistakes. So in this way, the religious gets mixed up with the material because there's not... The emotional feeling is there, but it hasn't become purified. It, there's no separation between the, the understanding of what is, what is material understanding and what is genuine spiritual understanding. And often people, the way they, they use words like spiritualism, or they say... God, they talk about God with no understanding of what these terms mean. So a philosophical approach is, uh, philosophical approach means to understand clearly, as Prabhupada so many times emphasized, what is the difference between the soul and the body? What is the basic mistake of modern civilization, Prabhupada said? They do not know the difference between the soul and the body. It seems to be a very easy thing to understand. And most Hindus, if you say to them that actually this body is temporary, we are eternal, Atma, they say yes, 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 yes. We know. But in their practical life, it's demonstrated they don't know it because they're living for sense gratification. So, knowing and understanding are different things. This knowing becomes this. Knowing me turns into understanding when we repeatedly hear and practice that in our lives. How many times people ask that, well, how can we understand? How can we realize I'm not this body? So the answer is that we have to act on the platform of I am not this body. That means to act on the platform of spirit soul, to perform activities of devotional service. So, a philosophical approach is required to understand that I'm doing this service to Krishna. Who is Krishna? He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. What does that mean? That means we have to understand the different categories of the Absolute Truth. Bhagavad Tattva Vigyana, Mukta Sangha One has to understand the science of the Absolute Truth to become free from the influence of the laws of nature. When we say Mukta Sangha free from the laws of material nature, that means not that we are aiming for Mukti in and of itself, but unless we are freed from the lower modes of na- nature, or from the influence of the three modes of nature, then we cannot properly understand Krishna. Kaam, Krol, Lo, Mohammadadi, Abhishtra, Ishav, Nachari, Kishi, Pabe, Radha, Krishna. Bhaktirod Thakur has given the rhetorical question that as long as we're not free from the influence of lust, greed, anger, etc., then how can we attain to Radha and Krishna, who are so completely pure? In other words, there's no question, as long as we're not purified. So purification, that takes place by engagement in devotional service with proper understanding of why we are doing, what we are doing. 
which require we have to hear again and again and understand this philosophy of the absolute truth so that we can see with the vision of knowledge jnana chakshun shastra chakshun the eye of knowledge means the eye of knowledge received from shastra otherwise generally when we see something we think this is an object of my enjoyment but that consciousness should change to see that this is an object that belongs to krishna should be engaged in krishna service this change of consciousness from i am the enjoyer to i am the enjoyed this change of consciousness is krishna consciousness otherwise the tendency is even in the field of bhakti the tendency is to enjoy it for ourselves to, to try to enjoy it for ourselves just like someone may say oh i just came back from vrindavan and how was it bahut anand hua it was i i really enjoyed it it was very enjoyable but we don't go to vrindavan to it's not meant for our enjoyment we might enjoy enjoyment even in krishna consciousness then we have the wrong attitude everything is meant for krishna's enjoyment that's why people like to go to that's it that was a really good kirtan how can we say what's a good kirtan krishna can say whether he enjoyed it and krishna and that's considered okay because you know, if you like to go to kirtan what's the harm if you like it's okay everything what you like to do is okay so this idea all they have the, the idea that uh, you know homosexuality that's also okay. as, as long as it, as long as the adults as long as they're adult and they both consent we can have sex with anyone anyone anything as long as uh, adult and they agree so agree and it's okay. it's all right. no that's considered the legal standard there's no other moral there's no moral consideration beyond this so enjoyment has been hedonism has become the moral of modern society so seeing the hippies so much addicted to sense enjoyment proper said if you be happy like this you chant hari krishna sing dance be, you can be happy so that is true that is ananda bhuti vardanam pratipatam purnam ritasvadanam if one is actually on this spiritual plane if one is actually on the platform of serving krishna then he will be very happy or even in the beginning stages of krishna bhakti one feels happy by kleshatni one is freed from the pernicious uh, effects of sinful reactions as one enters into krishna consciousness so it's true that certainly and we can preach like that the krishna consciousness will actually make us happy because everyone's looking for happiness but at the same time in krishna consciousness if we are doing it for our own happiness then we didn't really catch the idea of krishna consciousness as is given by chaitanya mahaprabhu ashvashava padarata ashrama adashana nama tankarutu yatatata whatever situation yatatata bhavita tatulam 
that pranata is to say. That is the real root of Krishna Bhakti. You make me happy or unhappy, my happiness is in service to you, Krishna. So, uh, anyway, coming to one point we were discussing, I was discussing this morning with some devotees. There was some point had come up that uh, we were discussing the tendency within our society of Islam, I said we're, we're protected within the walls here. And then there are different gurus and different preachers, and different preachers may emphasize different things. And it can become confusing. Just like I might confuse you now by saying something different to what some other preachers have been saying. We were discussing this morning how there seems to be an increasing tendency within our society for certain devotees to uh, regularly speak on the intimate pastimes of Krishna in Vrindavan. And we were discussing that this had caused some consternation. Now, why should there be any consternation talking about the pastimes of Radha and Krishna? Because Krishna consciousness means to hear and chant about Krishna and Prem Prayoja, the, the ultimate goal of Krishna consciousness is to uh, appreciate and enter into the love, loving affairs of Radha and Krishna. Enter into means one has to enter into my service. That is the uh, that is the ultimate goal of the Gauriya Vaishnavas to to serve Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan. So why should it be any cause of anxiety if any of our uh, the members of our society are talking about these intimate pastimes. Well, that it is a cause of anxiety is uh, apparent by the uh, complaints or expressions of concerns that are coming from various quarters independently. That certain persons are speaking very intimate pastimes. Now, what is wrong in that? Well, you would say in one sense there is nothing wrong with but on the other hand, maybe there is, because we find, for instance, um, you'll find some quite detailed description of this in Hari Shari Prabhu's book, the, the Transcendental Diary, in which it was described that certain disciples of Prabhupada were discussing the intimate pastimes of Krishna. They weren't discussing Bhagavad only concentrating on this. And Prabhupada was very upset. They seem surprising. Prabhupada is very upset. And they, they were reading from sections of Chaitanya Charitamrita which describe the intimate feelings of Radha for Krishna. And they, they were saying, well, Prabhupada, we're just reading your books. Prabhupada said, well, not everything in my books is meant for you. And then they said, well, Prabhupada, we're just trying to obtain a desire for that platform. Prabhupada said, first deserve, then desire. And we find that Prabhupada himself, as did Bhaktisiddhanta Sosraktaka, in their lectures, they would mostly speak again and again on Sambandhagya, not even so much on Abhidaya, on the practice of devotional service. Mostly on topics of understanding 
who is Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead? What is the position of the Jiva to serve him? And discussing various uh, philosophical misunderstandings that divert us away from Krishna, such as Mayavad especially. So Prabhupada was very much emphasizing this because the whole root cause of our material disease or our material incarceration is non-acceptance of the fact that we are servants of Krishna, which manifests as envy of Krishna. And if we can simply understand this point, that I am the servant of Krishna, then automatically we enter into Krishna's service. Now, as far as speaking on Krishna's person, that should be there also, but it's a, especially in the beginning stages, we have to see what is our diet. Just like this, we may say that, well, paratas and gulab jamans, these are very good foods, not for sick people, maybe in a small dose. But not for if, if you cannot digest, then it will simply cause more sickness. So how how much we should hear such things? Prabhupada recommended we should hear Krishna book at night. But then in Prabhupada's Krishna book, we find that along with the pastimes, Prabhupada has weaved in so much philosophical understanding, so that we cannot misunderstand the pastimes. That they're presented fully with philosophy. Otherwise, the tendency is to misunderstand. Now, going back to those uh, professional Bhagavatam and Ramayana speakers, they mostly speak pastimes. And people like to hear and they think, oh, very nice, I'm enjoying Krishna Lila. And they, but they, mostly people, they don't like to hear topics such as give up sense gratification. Bhagavatam, there are 18,000 verses. Mostly people like to hear the Rasa Panchatai, the five chapters dealing with the Ras Lila. But there are many other verses, such as Pungsastriya Mittuni Bhagavatam Tayara Hridya Grante Mahu Ato Grihak Shetram Sutapta Vitae Janasya Moho Yama Ammameti. What is the cause of bondage in this material world, this attraction between male and female, which becomes a tight knot in the heart that causes us to become attached to home, children, wife, country, friends, bank balance, and binds us in illusion of thinking in terms of I, me, and mine. These are Bhagavatam verses that we very much need to hear. Now, if we only emphasize on Krishna Leela without giving this kind of understanding. Oh, didn't do it. Okay. All right. Sorry. Close. Close call. And what it happens, you see people here and they think, oh, this is very nice, I like to hear this, how Krishna is dancing with Radha and joking with Radha and so many things. 
And then we think, I oh, see, I'm on that platform. And we can immediately go to this platform. But in between the platform of coming beginning Krishna conscious and appreciating Radha Krishna Lila, there is a big section called Anartha Nivriti. <laughs> and those who are Sahajya, which means they want to make everything very easy, then they, they cut out this section. We'll just go immediately there. But the problem is that by imagination, anarchists don't go away. We can imagine that I am on the highest platform, because you see, I like to hear about all these things. Anyone can do it. Now it's all. Previously it was mostly in Sanskrit and Bengali, now it's translated in Hindi and English. Anyone can pick up a book and read all these leelas and memorize them and speak them. But, actually to be free from anartha, this calm, cold, low, mohamada, matsarya, that requires purification of heart by the process of vaiti bhakti. And the tendency of neophyte devotees, especially those, it means those who haven't been trained very much, is to not be very much on the philosophical platform, more on the effective platform. And immediately they hear, oh, very nice, this is what I want, and immediately go to that. So they'll be hearing Ras Leela and so many different intimate things. But there's been no purification of heart. So our, actually our Acharyas, especially Bhaktisthan were to deal with so many Sahajus, he was very much against this. Although he himself came to preach the highest topics of Krishna Bhattis, the only reason he came to this world, but he did so in a very guarded manner. Because the tendency has been traditionally to miss, uh, misuse that or place undue emphasis on that without uh, giving the diet that the patient needs to become purified. And it's interesting to note that in our Sampradaya, especially Vishwanath Chakravar Thakur is quoted for his uh, commentaries on the intimate pastimes of Radha and Krishna. But then if we see Vishwanath Chakravar Thakur's commentary on the prayers of the personified Vedas, you'll find that he also commented on that in great detail. And he was very much uh, learned in, in the, all the intricate philosophical details of Krishna consciousness. So even though he is a, a great uh, acharya of describing the intimate pastimes of Radha and Krishna, he's also fully learned in all the philosophical conclusions of Krishna consciousness and doesn't avoid discussing so what we see is that often devotees, that when, if they're exposed to so much hearing of, of intimate pastimes, one thing is that they may, uh, they may start to think, well, Bhagavad Gita, that's just some lower topic. But then if we think like that, then we can't get trained in it, and we need that training. Without understanding Bhagavad Gita as it is, then we, how can we become free from the influence of the three modes of material nature? unless we can discriminate between spirit and matter, what is, unless we understand what is Krishna's position as the supreme enjoyer, if we hear his pastimes, then the tendency to envy Krishna will increase. If we only hear his pastimes without accepting him as, as the supreme enjoyer, then we ourselves will want to enjoy like that. So, one should be guided very carefully. There's no... There's no, 
there's no exact formula like 80% philosophy 20% leela and then 80% philosophy 50% leela 5% intimate leela actually intimate leela is not meant for those like, only those it should only be discussed when we're talking about the very intimate conjugal esoteric pastimes between Radha and Krishna this should only be discussed among suitable persons as means devotees actually develop their love for Krishna or free from the modes of material nature. There is no grounds to discuss these things among anyone who is materially affected. It is not approved by our acharyas to do so. So, uh, exactly how much we should discuss Leela, there's no exact formula. But we can see that practically in all his lectures, letters, conversations, Srila Prabhupada was constantly speaking about philosophy, would sometimes tell some leela, mostly for, briefly would tell some story to, to uh, bring out some philosophical point. Or in his books, his translations of Chaitanya Charitamrita and uh, Nectar Devotion, various intimate points may be there. So, it, as a general point, we should we could say that, well, this is discussion of Krishna Kata, but it wasn't that Prabhupada gave us the, the standard for which to discuss Krishna Kata. Bhagavad Gita for this is also Krishna Kata. Now, sometimes it said, well, Prabhupada, he was speaking like that because that was the early days of his scholar. And there were so many new people, so now we should discuss higher topics. But there are also so many new people now. topics means that oh yes we should have become pure if we're actually purified then we discuss but the tendency is to always think we're more advanced than we are so these things that, the point is they should be taken very cautiously and the example of our previous my previous Acharya especially referred to Prabhupada AC Bhaktivedanta Swamishri Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhansa as we talk about Prabhupada always try to inculcating us a philosophical understanding of the absolute truth means Krishna according to Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. Now uh, we can discuss this more if you like because it's uh, there could be some questions afterwards. Now one interesting point came up and as I was discussing with this about some with some devotees this morning the point came up that uh, one devotee said that well talking about one, one devotee who uh, is often speaking on leelas and intimate leelas and even among very neophyte devotees. Uh, so one devotee in our discussion raised the point that, well, he's very sincerely doing so. He feels that this is what is required in his gun and he's very sincerely doing so. So... That's a, in modern society, if one feels sincerely about something, that's also considered to be in and of itself a justification. However, what is the first we have to understand what is the meaning of sincerity? Sincerity should mean Guru Mokha Bhakta Bhakya Chitete Kariya Aika Anna Kariya Maharasha that we are linked to the absolute truth through the bona fide Shastravit 
acharya and we make our heart one with his we should act according to guru sadhu shastra according to siddhanta now once prabhupada was asked what if an atheist is sincere now that may seem to be a very good question when we, we you know I, I, i sincerely believe there is no god <laughs> and uh, we find there there's some national in england there's some national society of atheists or something like that i want someone to go to them to get some literature you have to become a member of their society to even get their literature so he's devotee but he didn't have she could for some long years to doing business so he went like that and he told me there was that the person was so happy when he came there it was like they're making a new bhakta <laughs> like oh oh you want to be an atheist oh how wonderful so they got some of their literature just i wanted to see what are the arguments i wasn't interested in becoming an atheist myself <laughs> so they you could say they're sincere atheists but probably proved the question He laughed. He said, how can you be a sincere atheist? It's like saying an honest thief. It's an oxymoron. It means a contradiction in terms. If one is sincere, then he has to accept that there is God. So he may say, that, well, I, I really believe this. He may really believe it, but it's a sign of inherent crookedness. Because if one is actually sattvict, actually is sincere person then he must accept there is God and at least come to the platform of Brahma Jignasa inquiry into the absolute truth the very uh, endeavor to avoid God or to deny his existence you may say well I'm, I'm sincerely doing that but it cannot be accepted as genuine sincerity it's interesting in this regard that everyone has some justification for their faith what they're doing even the, uh, the the name of the nazis under hitler is it's considered the worst most inhuman thing in, that, that happened in recent history but they also felt some justification hitler had a philosophy and it's a it's a plausible philosophy i mean on some level that uh, that we are the germans and we require we we are the best race in the world uh, and uh, we require we, we should dominate over the other neighboring races and uh, we require more land for our german nation so we should just invade the neighboring countries and take it over and the, the main problems of the german nation are the jews so well we'll deal with them so they had a philosophy wasn't it? It, it it sounds if we it sounds like horrible philosophy but actually it just in various forms that's what's going on in the world today might makes right that's why i say that uh, in one sense hitler was better than bush senior or junior because hitler just said hey look we're the germans we're, we're strong and we you know we kick you in the face and kill you but in the name of freedom justice humanity 
and uh, democracy and humanitarianism, Bush does the same thing. He invades a country and takes it over. So at least Hitler was saying it's for our national interest. He was, at least he was honest about it. Whereas Bush, in the name of humanitarianism, actually it's in the name of SO oil and it's for the oil. Otherwise, why should, there are so many things going on in Africa for so many years, they don't care. But their humanitarian values don't stretch to Africa. <laughs> Only to Kuwait when they got invaded and Iraq and like this. So, uh, they, they also had some philosophical or apparent philosophical justification. And after the Second World War, they had these uh, trials of war criminals. And many Nazi leaders, they were convicted of, of, uh, of organizing mass extermination of Jews and so on. And they were sentenced to death. But many of them went to their execution feeling that they had been wronged. Now, I didn't do anything wrong. What did I do wrong? Many of them would say, they said, well, I was just following orders. I was in a military government and I was following orders. And in Germany at that time, the whole thing, if you get an order, you follow it. That's all. That was the, that was the consciousness they were brought up in. So they couldn't understand what, what did I do wrong? We, I, I, was, I organized the, uh, the execution of 200,000 Jewish citizens. But it wasn't my fault, I was just following orders. And they felt that, that was a completely moral justification. But now, now uh, according to the world international laws, even if you're following an order, you shouldn't do something which is what they consider morally wrong. Of course, you can kill millions of children in the womb as abortion, and millions of cows, but they consider that morally right. So they themselves don't know what they're talking about. But the point I'm making here is about sincerity. That everyone feels, I am sincere. What is the test? Someone may say, well, I'm sincerely Spread, what 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 Iskon needs is Gopi Leela. We need more Gopi Leela. Too much of this Bhagavad Gita. We need more Gopi Leela. So they may sincerely feel that. But what is the what is the nature of sincerity? Sincerity means this one should strictly follow what the Guru says. Not only what he says, but what is in his heart, one has to understand. That may also not be easy to understand. We'll find among the followers of what this Jansasura talk of. On various grounds, they thought, he was deviating, not seeing that Prabhupada was fulfilling the heart's desire of his Guru. So, appeal that, well, I'm doing it sincerely, that in itself is, that will not, that should not stand among those who are Shastravit, because one has to see if one is acting according to Siddhanta, according to Guru, Sato, and Shastra. This is the test. Otherwise, every, anyone may say, I'm sincere. They may feel, 
I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm doing it very sincerely. But one has to be properly guided and acting in a manner that is actually pleasing to one's guru. Otherwise one's sincerity, sincerity, what does that mean? Conviction of purpose, feeling that I'm doing the right thing. But simply feeling that I'm doing the right thing, just like uh, an officer in the Hitler's army might feel I'm doing the right thing. But then he was judged to have not done the right thing and he himself was shot. So the, the, this atheist feels, I'm doing the right thing. I'm sincere in my atheism. But that is not actual sincerity. So simply to be sincere, to consider oneself sincere, first one should see what is Siddhanta, what is the proper understanding, then proceed. Sit. Again we come to the point, it's not simply feelings, but that feelings has to be tempered by philosophy. Krishna consciousness is ultimately meant for rasa, for praying. But that, we'll have to see what is actual praying by understanding through Siddhanta. Otherwise, many people have very strong feelings. You'll see people dancing ecstatically in kirtan. But how much actually they advance in Krishna consciousness, we'll have to see, maybe when the kirtan stops, that what are their material attachments? So many times I've seen in Bangladesh, people doing kirtan very ecstatically. As soon as the kirtan's finished, biri. So what is their actual advancement? Or you know, I've seen people playing Radanga, jumping up and down, singing, dancing in full ecstasy, chanting some completely bogus mantra, glorifying some bogus so-called incarnation of God. So it looks like ecstasy. But the Siddhanta is completely wrong. So we have to understand through Shastra, what is given to us by Shastra, how it's understood by the Acharyas, and if we are actually sincere, then Krishna will reveal to us what is required. If we are actually sincere, then Krishna will provide us with the intelligence to understand what is required to serve Krishna. By which they can go to me. No one can go to Krishna unless they are accepted by the servants of Krishna. And one can only go to one can only be accepted by the servants of Krishna if one is actually sincere to serve Krishna. If one is thinking, I will now I'm going to go to Krishna to enjoy Krishna. If any such mood is there, one will not be allowed. That's why there are many tests on the path of devotional service. Many tests to see do we want to serve Krishna? Or do we want to enjoy Krishna? Alright, let's have some questions about this potentially controversial topic. It can be difficult to, to understand all the nuances of also. be a, a surrendered servant. And from that 
attitude will come into you want enjoy you want enjoyment yes naturally we want enjoyment that is the nature of the living being but our endeavor should only be how to please krishna from that enjoyment will come but even that enjoyment we see the case of daruka is given in the nature of devotion of tirasamrita sindhu how he was fanning the lord but due to the ecstasy of fanning of serving krishna he became stunned and he cursed that becoming stunned now i can't fan krishna i can't serve krishna properly <laughs> he didn't want the ecstasy let me serve no need of ecstasy that is ecstasy Is this an infringement of the uh, 
acceptance of Krishna as the supreme joy, I should do what I like. Uh, it could be, a, a lot depends on our attitude. In this regard, I would like to... Yeah, but fan is also not good for the flies. So it, it's all right, a few flies. If that was the worst problem in life, then we wouldn't have any impetus to go back to Godhead. <clears throat> I, I'll relate one story from one, one anecdote from long way back. The one devotee, <clears throat> this is 1970s, of it, it could be any time. <clears throat> one devotee, he was very, he's in England, he's very dominical by nature. So he's doing deity worship. <clears throat> He'd also do school programs, very, you could say, cultured English gentleman kind of nature. And really cultured because he wasn't eating meat or drinking. Devoted. So uh, very sophisticated, like this. Sophisticated, very brahminical kind of nature. Always very clean and like this. Devotees appreciate it. One day the town resident asked him that. Uh, See, there's so much garbage sitting out the back. Could you help bring that out? Now, generally, this kind of service would be given to the temple maintenance staff or new devotees who were going through that stage of just doing any service to see, do you actually want to serve Krishna? So this devotee was a little surprised because he wasn't usually asked to do such services. But he immediately agreed. Oh, okay. All right. And he immediately got ready to do that service. Then... Uh, Someone says, no, actually, you don't have to do it. I just wanted to see, are you a Brahmana or a Vaishnava? See? Are you attached to that Brahminical role? Or are you a Vaishnava that you're prepared to do any service? So it makes sense to engage according to our psychophysical nature. But at the same time, we should be ready to perform any service that's required of us. even Arjuna, Krishna told that if you don't, you may try to avoid this fight, but anyway, by your very nature, you'll be, you'll be compelled to, to uh, engage in warfare. Let's see, you have such a strong nature. It's, it's in the attitude. Am I doing this for my enjoyment or for Krishna's enjoyment? And of course, it's not likely to be 100% either way that, that we, may, we may be doing for our own enjoyment. And, sorry, for Krishna. Let me do this for Krishna's pleasure. But Maya always creeps in in some form or other. In various gross and subtle ways. Hmm. And of course, if there is some bona fide recitation of Krishna's pastimes, uh, I'm not going to enjoy this. It's, but how we enjoy to hear how Krishna is the enjoyer? Yes, he is the enjoyer.
But if, if someone comes with the idea that now, now I'm coming to give you something higher, which no one else is giving, that sometimes also, also the, it may be a, a one sense of self-promotion too. That I'm, I'm, I've got something better, I've got something higher. So we should be careful of that also. Is there any other question? it may be that people remain on that side of the bridge <laughs> or even worse they, they, they uh, we ourselves we cross over to the other side of the bridge <laughs> if we can successfully bring them over to the bridge all well and good but we ourselves have to understand what is our position what we actually want to teach such books can be useful uh, in association with devotees who are fixed in understanding what it means to be Krishna conscious Basically, they remain UFO conscious rather than Krishna conscious. Then we, we, they might say, well, they made some incremental step towards Krishna consciousness. But then why not give them the, the, the knowledge by which they can make the, the real step towards Krishna consciousness, which is in Bhagavad Gita, as it's telling them the UFO uh, may be or may not be. What does it matter anyway? People in you, you're in Maya. The, the people in the UFOs, they're also in Maya. So, what, are they, what does it make that much difference anyway? Chant Hare Krishna. If there is any such thing as a UFO anyway. We become so much absorbed in this. And what often, see, what often happens is, and what I've seen is that our devotees, by speaking a compromised kind of philosophy, they themselves start to believe it. Just like this Food for Life program. That was started, then we advertise that we're helping the poor people by feeding them, and then we go to the public and say, give a donation for helping the poor, which is not our line. Our line is that everyone is suffering from lack of Krishna consciousness. And anyway, who are these poor people? I mean, in Pune, are there people starving to death? I doubt it very much. I know once in Baroda, I went for the, we were trying to find some poor people to distribute prasadam to, in the name of poor feeding. So we went in the Chopra party and we found that there the, the young men have all got fancy hairstyles and there's the beauty clinic and the, the video shop in those days. And, you know, they, they have all, everyone has TV, VCR, everything. So where's the poverty? So 
But what I but then devotees there's so much talk about we have to help the poor, the starving, the language of mundane people because it elicits a response on the mundane platform. It's much easier to get people to donate for feeding them the mythical starving people than is to uh, then then give a donation to teach people how to get free from birth, death, old age, disease, and surrender to Krishna. It's easier to present untruth rather than truth because people like untruth. They're addicted to that. Uh, but then what happens is devotees themselves start, we, we say it so many things and we so many times and repeat it so many times, but we actually start to believe it ourselves that we're actually helping the starving people. And the real object of this movement is to feed the starving and we lose our focus. And then we get so much into, you know, this UFOs and different energy fields and we, we talk about all these kind of things. And, and where's Krishna? And, and not only that, the uh, this UFO and New Age, the very language they talk in is, is one of, of not of absolute conviction, that here is knowledge, Shastra. It, it's all on the, uh, my opinion, your opinion, this, that. So we get completely lost in, in New Age. Birth, death, New Age. One of those... So, and then we find our, our devotees themselves, that they, they're not, instead of reading Prabhupada, then they, they, don't, they don't get a taste for reading Prabhupada's books because they, they're reading so many things. John Veda Maharaj, I think he resigned as editor of BTG, I don't know if it was coincidental, but shortly after some article was published about against having dogs as pets, and because, yeah, it's dirty, and it's, it's, it increases our attachment to some. Mat, which mat in English slang means uh, some dog, not mat like ashramat or something like that. So we become attached to some dog. Then after that, that, uh, that article, there were so many letters of protest from devotees who were attached to their dogs. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this this was quite a few years ago. So it seems that devotees they're often uh, they're keeping materialistic values. They're not accepting the values which is which are given in Shastra. So the dog is unclean. We don't keep dogs as as in our house as pets and this and that. So we have to be very careful. If there's a bridge, make sure there's someone standing on this end who knows how to bring people over. Otherwise, the danger is that people will think that we be just like this. There's so many. Who's this? Uh, this art of living. His whole thing is mind control and how to, how to fit into the modern materialistic society and be a success. Totally materialistic, posing as a guru. He's got a good business going on. <laughs> to like 2,000 rupees to do his course, six-day course. Is it? And then to go to his satsang, to, to have darshan of Guruji, you have to pay, I don't know, 2,000 rupees and more than a lack of people come. It's a damn good business. He's got it down. But uh, it, it's totally mundane. So people shouldn't confuse us with that. 
we ourselves should be confused. People, people often ask that, how can I control my mind? I can't, I can't concentrate on my examinations. So, we could answer in a way that would be beneficial for them to help pass their examinations. But then they'll again come back with, then this and now, how to improve my career. And, which, if one is a surrendered devotee, the, the guru might give, might, not necessarily, but might give some direction. How you can live in this world and how you pursue your career in a Krishna conscious manner. But, but the role of sadhus is not as career advisors. It's not their prime or duty. Prime duty is to teach people how to surrender to Krishna and go back to Godhead. So, bridge book. I thought you were supposed to talk about like bridge meaning bridge, Vrindavan. <laughs> Sometimes said bridge, sometimes said bridge. So, they may be there, but we have to keep our emphasis very clear. Once we, once we stray from the path of speaking the undiluted truth, we have to be very careful. In one uh, statement, Bhaktisiddhanta Sartako said that the aim of the preacher should be to speak the truth as directly and as unambiguously as possible. Hmm. Any other question? All right, you have many questions. No one else has any questions? I don't know if you want to say that. Gyan is not considered one of the elements of bhakti because Gyan leads to hard-heartedness. Mm. And that prevents from the emotions of bhakti from manifesting. Mm. So how is this compared to Gyanate? Yeah, we have to understand what this means. This means Gyanate Prayasamuddhapasyanamante. This means that kind of Gyan in which one is simply trying to uh, differentiate between spirit and matter with no touch of bhakti. Sambandha Gyan is absolutely required. When we say Gyana Kama Adhyanabritam, then that doesn't mean that there's no jnana or karma in bhakti. There's no jnana and no karma, then what is bhakti? Bhakti is only jnana and karma. That means knowing about Krishna and acting for Krishna. But the, the, those, knowing about Krishna, that is that's directly included in bhakti. And acting for Krishna, that's directly included in, in bhakti. When we say karma and jnana, we generally refer to well, monistic jnana, and uh, karma, the, the karma kanda. But uh, karma and jnana are also in Bhagavatam, the jnana, mat karma krit mat parama. So these are, uh, we have to understand what, what, what the term means in context. Otherwise, where is the bhakti? If we don't know about Krishna, then where is the question of loving Krishna? Just like if. If uh, we pull someone out of a crowd, we don't know who they are. We love them. How can you love? You have, to, you have to know something about them. There has to be some basis for the love. 
There's also a reason why people without knowledge of God, they cannot actually love Him. Without, uh, just like you'll find, there are some religious processes in which there's no real actual knowledge of God. So there's no real question of loving Him either. Naturally lovable. We have to know about it. So, hearing Bhagavad Gita should not make our heart hard. Rather, by hearing about Krishna, Aham Sarvasya Prabhu Matas Sarvam Prabhupada, Iti Matva Bajantemam Buddha Bhava Samhita. Even though it may appear for some time to be very advanced. They can't actually advance. <coughs> Hare Krishna.